You're listening to Feminist Killjoys, Ph.D., an hour of feminism, pop culture, and politics, as discussed by two professional killjoys. I'm Rachel. And I'm Melody. And today we will be doing a mini-lesson on selfies via cultural studies critique. Is it empowering? Narcissistic? A form of surveillance? But first, Melody, where can our listeners find us on the internet? Sassy, my cat, would like to tell you (laughs) that you can find us in select places, and she would like you to find us now. (laughs) You can use your favorite podcast application to subscribe to us. Please leave us a review on iTunes. Use that handy-dandy iTunes app to leave us a review on a speedy tip. Social media-wise, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can like our Facebook page for episode updates, or you can join our Feminist Killjoys community group. Search for that, plus WTF Power, and you will find us. And then we also have an FKJ PhD reading group online on Facebook where we are discussing emergent strategy. Z's? E singular. That's what I thought. There's only one strategy, and it is the emergent one. (laughs) So we are reading about it. And then on Spotify, uh, we have a Feminist Killjoys PhD mixtape curated by Rachel. And then also, Rachel writes this awesome uh, newsletter called the Killjoy Review, and I also contribute to it. But uh, Patreon, I'm having a thing with my Plurals. plurals today. If you are a Patreon donator of a dollar or more a month, you get access to the newsletter. So you should totally become a patron. Sassy's really into that as well. And if you give us $5 a month or more, then you get bonus episodes in which I sing more and... Which we're not very good at, but this is maybe also a good time to let folks know that we are taking a tiny little baby mini hiatus, a little break. Whoa, 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 whoa. Too soon? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're going to get me off. You're going to get me off track. But I'm, I mean, I, I'm talking remember to come back. I'm talking to come ab- back to emailing. I'm talking about the bonus apps, though, because I want people to know that although we haven't been great about bonus apps, we will be better about them. A and B, we will probably get at least one up during our hiatus. Do you see what I was doing there? I do. I was just giving you a hard time. Yeah. But Melody, where can they email us? Oh, I'm so glad you asked because I was going to get off track. That's how my mind works. They can email us at fkj.phd at gmail.com. And um, I'm just going to throw it back to you, Rachel, and ask you how you're doing. I appreciate the question. Also, just real quick, I keep <laughs> <laughs> I keep meaning to say this, but we joke that we're not good at email and, and we're, we're not as like speedy as we wish we were. But honestly, what's worse for me, in my opinion, is Facebook messages. Those, I think, are hardest to, like, get to, and sometimes Facebook filter is really weird. So don't Facebook message us on our page account. If you're friends with us IRL in the or on Facebook, personally, you can. But I would say email over Facebook message. Yeah. I agree. Uh, just the other day, somebody messaged me back a message that I sent them a year and a half ago. <laughs> but because we weren't Facebook friends, right, it, yeah. like, got hidden in some, like, secret inbox. Yep. And so... Right. Exactly. So so don't message us on Facebook. Email us. Anyway, how am I? I'm doing I'm doing really well. It is 
officially fall. The weather is cold. Every day has been gray and a little bit rainy. I am so happy because of all of those things. And I had a really amazing weekend. I want to give a shout out to, I think we probably have at least a handful of new listeners that are a result of my keynote speech at the Mid-Atlantic LGBTQA conference that happened in Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania this past weekend. Uh, I had the no oper- big deal. No big deal. It kind of was a big deal. I feel really, I feel really good about it's it. It's a super big deal. It's opposite day. <laughs> no big deal means really big deal. Tell us about it. It was. It was really great. The conference was really awesome. It's um, geared towards undergrads. I would say primarily. Uh, so it's a lot of really good, accessible, and, like, very inspiring presentations. Um, people aren't trying to, like, jerk off about how theoretical they can be. They're like, how can we, like, get shit done and make the world better for queer folks? And I really appreciate that. And I think, yeah, I think my I think my talk went well. I think a lot of people wanted to talk after, and people seemed like they really, that it resonated with them. So I'm I'm really grateful for that and for any new listeners that... I met there. Thank you so much. It was so cool to hang out with y'all this past weekend. So yeah, things are okay. And I'm back to work and getting shit done. So I'm pretty, pretty good. What about you? I'm also doing pretty great. Good. I love the weather. I love the crisp, cold air. I had also a good weekend, except the person that I was with got gender policed at an event at Yes, Queen, yes, which is Phoebe Robinson and Alana Glazer (sighs) from Two Dope Queens and Broad City, respectively. So I was like, yeah, no problem. Like, let's be non-binary with our genders. It's this show, like of all the shows, right? Right. Turns out that, you know, the ushers that work there don't really get educated on things like that. So the person I was with got gender policed in the bath, like literally in the bathroom. Like they came into the bathroom like security guards Oh. And I was like, this is really weird. I was like, maybe they're checking on the bathrooms. And then we both left. And then somebody followed us and they're like, excuse me, oh um, we don't we don't have gender neutral neutral bathrooms here. Oh, God. And I stared at them and I and I like basically had to explain why the person I was with was using the women's bathroom. Like, and right. if you've never had to do that, it's the worst. It fucking sucks. Yeah. And it doesn't make the person that's getting questioned right. feel great. Right, um, of course. And so that kind of just ruined the show. Because I was sucks. like, well. That sucks so yeah, bad. Yeah, please tell me about your diva cop. I really care right now. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. So, and I've just never had, like, I'm used to looks. I'm used to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, looks both positive and negative i have not encountered like that kind of policing before right and by a woman right right it was very strange so Um, i have not contacted them directly but i'm going to yeah the fitzgerald theater thank you very much you suck yeah get some education to your ushers and get a gender neutral bathroom if you don't understand how non-binary gender presentation works, then fucking get a gender-neutral bathroom. Right, completely. If that's how you're going to deal with that. Yeah, if, I mean, that might be worth, like, a petition. And if our listeners want to, like, help get involved, especially our Minneapolis listeners, like, that that's some shit. And I'm so sorry that happened to you and the person you were with. Ugh. Yes, thank you. And I'll see, I think my, my first step is to contact the theater and see what their response is. 
and then go from there. Yeah, that makes sense. Keep so, us posted bliggly, if bliggly, any bliggly, action bloop. is required. I will. I will. I'll update you if I can remember on what they respond with, too. Okay. And, oh, another thing I want to check in real quick about is, like, last week I asked people about reading awesome creative fiction, basically, that won't remind me of the perils of the world. Uh-huh. And people delivered. Love it. Our listeners are. That's because our listeners are the fucking best. You, yeah. Okay, they delivered so much that like I was like, I'll read these on air, except there's too many. So check this out. This is an idea. Um, I will put like on our website somewhere, like a tab, like a resources tab or something. And I'll just like put a bunch of those books as like a shared resource. Great. I love it. I mean, yeah, that's great. So people who responded, there's so many, I'm just going to compile them into a list with some images and put them up on the website and then it'll be kind of static and then we can update it if needed. Perfect. So, wow. Thank you. I've got enough books to last me a few years. Awesome. Um, And then, sorry, last but not least, and we can revisit this later, I went to this talk about sex trafficking because it's a hot topic here because we're going to have the Super Bowl. And my goodness, sex trafficking is a horrible thing. But there was a lot of anti-sex work yeah. in that presentation. Yeah. And that really brought me back to <laughs> my roots as being like a uh, – I did a lot of research on feminism and porn yeah. many, many years ago. And holy cow. Yeah. Like, wow. Like, there is a way. Like, before we went to the talk with my class, I said very clearly to them, I'm like, there is a difference between sex trafficking and sex work. There's a difference between consensual work and non-consensual work. Mm-hmm. That's all you like, really, like you just have to say that. But of course, the presenter was basically painting like all prostitution is bad and all sex work is, you know, without making that differentiation. And I'm so glad I told my students that and they knew that like they weren't fighting me against that or fighting against me on that. Yeah. But I was like, "Mm, oh, thank you for your presentation. Got it. There Um, is there is a ton of conflation. Yeah. And I know, like, I know the people who are advocates for victims of sex trafficking are so angry and horrified and passionate about stopping that truly, truly, truly horrible phenomenon. But it's really, really fucking unfortunate that they want to throw, you know, people who consent to sex work um, under the bus. Yeah, I think it's really similar to the gun rights debate that we're now again having um, for the 85 millionth time I counted. And um, (laughs) in terms of like, there's a difference between, right, like irresponsible gun use and people that are trained in guns and like have, you know, but there's people in in this country, obviously, that are like, no guns ever. No, no, no. Right. And it's I feel like it's very similar. It's like, no, sex work has created this problem. Therefore, like sex work is bad. We must stop the demand for sex work. Right. In the same way that liberals are like, no guns, no, 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 because nothing good comes from guns ever. Like it's just causing all this mayhem. So, you know, I get it because I'm, you know, I understand all the multitude of viewpoints totally. on both of these issues. But man, sec- pfft, now I have to deal with all this like anti-sex work shit in right. my city again. So, right. Oh, sorry. One last thing because it's connected. For example, we have a bunch of businesses listed here as like, go visit these local businesses when you're here for the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And one of them was a strip club mm-hmm. and it was woman owned. Like, so they were really specifying like women owned and I think minority owned as well, mm-hmm. racially minority. And there was a hubbub because there was a strip cl- club listed. 
Oh, geez. And they, like, took it out. And I was oh like, oh, my God. Okay, first off, why are you all acting like you don't go to strip clubs <laughs> right. after football games? Because you all do, and that's totally fine. Right. But then you demonize it by pulling it off the list. Right. A woman-owned strip club. Like, are you... Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. It's fucked. I'm sure I'll have many more rants about this in the future. Sex trafficking is awful. Consensual sex that is paid for is fine by me. Yes. Preach. Okay. Hey, you want to get into another debate about selfies? Yeah, let's do it. Dun, 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 dun. That's intro music. I like it. Okay. So today we are going to discuss many different ways to look at selfie culture. And the I, I got this idea because our loyal and longtime listener, Janie, sent a wonderful letter to us and then also included this article by Henry um, Giro. Or how do you pronounce his name? Gyro. Giro. Guy Rocks. Giro. 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 Wait, Giro. Scratch yeah, that. Yeah, Henry Giro. Giro. It's Giro. It's Giro. G-I-R-O-U-X. Giro. Yep. Giro. A French pedagogue. Yeah. Yes. So he has an article that he wrote called <laughs> Selfie Culture in the Age of Corporate and State Surveillance. Dun, dun, dun. And I thought, oh, wow, this is totally I'm totally on board with this. But this is totally different than the ways in which Rachel and I have talked about selfie culture, especially through our article about Orange is the New Black and Instagram. And as it turns out, our article in Bitch, we had to uh, trim. And so we had to take out a lot of the academic stuff, which was fine by us. But, you know, we left these like gems of research kind of on the ground. And one of them was Rachel's research into queering, queering of the selfie, I guess you could say. Is that a good explanation? Good way to summarize it? Uh, Maybe. I mean. Or how selfies are. Um, I think well, it's you more get to- of a. The, the stuff that I put in the bitch article was a bit more of a feminist analysis than a queer analysis, I would say. Okay. But you could talk about the queering. Sure. You had some queer stuff in there, too. Sure. Like, as you always do, mm-hmm. which is great. So I guess what I am curious about is, like, we... So in terms of a feminist tip, right, often selfie culture is demonized because it's based on often women, women celebrities, very feminine people that take these photos as like basically glamour shots and so people criticize them because it's you know it's vapid there's no meaning behind it apparently and so it kind of gets a bad rap like for example one of the kardashians sorry this is not my wheelhouse (laughs) kim kardashian kim kardashian i got it you got it put out a selfie book Mm -hmm. and People are like, why is she doing that? And then she went on and she did a media uh, circuit and she's smart as hell. And she was just like, I can't remember what she said, but I was like, dang, girl, like you should be in cultural studies because she was like, this is my body. I'm proud of my body. Here I am. Y'all are looking at it. Here you go. You know, she had this like very articulate and engaged argument for why she takes selfies yeah she had a really good response she basically said you know she doesn't drink she doesn't do drug drugs and yet she's being you know viewed as a really bad role role model and admittedly it was very sort of surface level this is empowering because i love my body flaws and all which you know is kind of silly when we think about the fact you know whether or not we want to consider her flawed but yeah so it was it was it was a relatively thoughtful response Sure. 
So anyway, go on. No, just that she she has a very feminist understanding of of her selfies and like why she takes photos of herself, you know, and I think it's like a good that is an important message to go along with her selfies, because very often it's just seen as narcissistic and not worthy of attention. And it's often because it's feminized, right? Anything Mm -hmm. that's feminized in our culture is just automatically disrespected by I don't know who ends up starting the disrespect, but you know, the culture, our mainstream society, right? So do you want to share a little bit about more along this lines of being an active participant in selfie culture and (laughs) what some academics say? And I know you like to take a lot of selfies. I do. I like to take (laughs) anti-selfies. So um, we're on different sides of the coin on this one, which is good. It makes for good radio. But tell me more. Tell us more. Yeah. Well, I want to acknowledge that like, yeah, what what Kim Kardashian said and what ultimately I kind of say about myself is very, like I said, rather surface level, sort of like liberal feminists, like I'm individually empowered by this choice I'm making to feel good about myself. And it's not creating massive structural change in our society in any in any way. But I do think in terms of feminist academic arguments and framing and also popular press writers have done this exact same work as well is is what you just motioned to is that that this sort of misogynistic response to women because it is largely women and feminine gen- femininely gendered people uh who are taking selfies and when it's not feminine people taking selfies we have a whole different kind of discourse about it you know we we can talk about like the man shirtless man picture in the bathroom and there's a totally different discourse there might be some shame involved in sort of like oh that fucking asshole thinks he's tough shit or whatever but it's not the same kind of uh, virulent misogynistic accusations that are that are railed against and also like rape threats and all of the other things that happen to women who who um, post images of themselves online. So that I think is the largest issue is that when we look at the responses to selfies, we can see just the evidence of our patriarchal misogynistic foundation of our culture. So I think that's like the biggest part. I think as far as empowerment and feeling good about yourself goes, again, I know it's not enough. I know it's not enough for the body positivity movement. I know it's not enough to challenge patriarchy. And I also know that in some ways, particularly white, thin, attractive women who take selfies may be uh, further entrenching, you know, Western beauty ideals, hegemonic standards of beauty. And also, I think there's something really fucking powerful about women who are enculturated in a society to hate themselves, not only because of patriarchy, but also because of capitalism. Because as long as we hate ourselves, the more that we will consume things to try to fix ourselves, right? We'll buy diet pills, we'll buy gym memberships, we'll buy packages to weight loss programs, we'll buy all of these things that can can fix us. And so I think for me, there does feel, I feel like there is something a little bit anti-capitalist about learning to love myself, which has taken a really fucking long time. And so in my third, you know, now that I'm in my fucking thirties, like I really fucking love taking pictures of myself. And I, you know, I don't think I like overwhelm my Instagram feed with it, but there's a lot of them. And it's really, oh God, after like literally almost my entire life of, 
of just hating myself. It's it's really liberating and it gives me more space. Like the three seconds it takes me to take a selfie, like is not remotely as much time as it took to hate myself and make myself throw up and do all, sorry, trigger warning on that, I guess, but all the other horrible fucking shit I did to my body, that took a lot more time than taking a selfie takes. And now I have more time to devote to other things that matter. So that's like a little bit of the academic argument and and a feminist argument and also my experience. Radical. And I would just, uh, the last point that you made, I think um, along, you know, your point about rejecting normative capitalism. One thing that's really great about selfie culture is that because we're all creating them on social media, which is technically, you know, our media space, any kind of body, and I know you, you know, you made this point, but another way of looking at it is like, everybody is able to take selfies, mm-hmm. right? Whereas if we look in a magazine, we only see particular forms of beauty. Right. So it's kind of counter hegemonic in that like, somebody like Kim Kardashian is not our normative form of beauty if you look at mainstream magazines and TV and film, right? And so celebrity or not, people who choose to take selfies that might not fit into the normative form of femininity in this culture are doing a really good service by showing other people that you can look damn hot and not look like somebody in a magazine and feel and just to show your empowerment of that by taking a selfie because I think the act of taking a selfie means you are confident enough in yourself that you want to share it not just with a friend but often with your social media network yeah and I would I mean yeah I know Kim Kardashian isn't like she doesn't have access to sort of like white femininity in the way that like I don't know fucking Taylor Swift or something does but I still would like push that she's not, I don't know if she's counter hegemonic necessarily, but I would say that like the Instagram accounts that I follow of a lot of like fat women, women of color, I'm just like, I seriously feel like cheering in my seat wherever I'm like scrolling through Instagram because it's just like, it's so fucking awesome to see women be so fucking hot and sexy and who, who are legitimately not normative meeting normative standards of beauty. So I'm just saying there's people who are, you know, much, much more non-normative than Kim Kardashian posting selfies and looking fucking hot. And it's amazing. I do not disagree. Yeah. So you don't disagree with that. And also. (laughs) And also. So I read this amazing article, again, called Selfie Culture in the Age of Corporate and State Surveillance. And If anybody's familiar with Henry Jenkins, I don't think this Henry Giroux would be friends with Henry Jenkins because as well as other, I always go to him like he's the old white guy I'm supposed to be citing. Mm -hmm. But um, this idea of being an active participant in, in the media. But what I really like this article because it makes you think about selfies through the surveillance system and it doesn't like keep the focus on like how narcissistic selfies are it's like okay great that's that's a fine argument to make we're over that Mm -hmm. so I want to just read this one part that I think really gets at it well so you know that the general critique of social media is that the privacy problem that we're having is partially our fault because we like to put so much shit up on the internet that it's so easy to be surveilled people are encouraged to use their real names they post you know, where they go on vacation, you know. And so when people start talking about privacy, it's like, yes, of course, we deserve privacy online. But it's not like we're making it 
very hard on corporations or the government to surveil us by the kind of information that we put up online freely sharing, right? Mm -hmm. And then so the question is then, how are selfies connected to surveillance? Because a selfie is close up, so you don't even really get a sense of where the person is. Um, And we're not talking about like facial recognition surveillance. We're just talking about what you post online. But what Mr. Henry says, Dr. Henry says, is while selfies may not lend themselves directly to giving up important private information online, they do speak to the necessity to make the self into an object of public concern. So then it becomes easier to put privacy rights at risk as they are viewed less as something to protect than to escape from in order to put the self on public display. So what that, all that jargony stuff means is that through selfie culture, we are kind of conditioned to put ourselves on public display all the time, which then limits our reaction to our privacy being invaded. Because we're so used to kind of just giving up our privacy online, and it's something that we actually get joy from, which is something the article points out as well. It's like, look at me, I'm babysitting this baby in South Minneapolis, and I'm going to give you his name. And like, that's a lot of privacy breaching on behalf of that poor baby, by the way, but also, you know, my location. But I get joy in people liking that photo and commenting on how cute he is. And that's the part of joy. And so that's how our privacy is linked. Like our, we're like, I don't care about privacy. And it's not even on the like, you can search for my stuff. I have nothing to hide. It's more like creating this general culture where privacy um, is not something that we want to cultivate. It's actually something we're trying to break down on social media. Can I can I respond to that? Of course you can. So <laughs> that's I totally get that. And I also totally understand why we should all be very concerned about our privacy and why it's frustrating when our undergraduates, when we're learning about Edward Snowden, like, are like, well, it's fine if people see what I search on the internet. Like, I don't, you know, whatever. Like, you know, I have nothing to hide. Like, I understand how frustrating that is. But I think what's really interesting, and here's the sort of, like, queer critique of this, is this, like, obsession with the public and private divide is always already a product of, like, capitalism, right? Like, privatization is private property, private lives is a result of post-industrial capitalist society. And so although I suppose, yeah, we need to be concerned about it since we live under capitalism, as a queer Marxist who wants to see capitalism implode, like, why shouldn't we be okay with more public with more public and communal and less private selves and lives. And I'm thinking also of just all the writing, both academic and popular writing um, from queer folks about public sex and like the, the joy and the subversion of, of public sex. So again, like I know why in our current society, we have to be concerned about it. I'm also like, Oh, but man, That's not, like, actually what I, like, want for my end goal, you know? I don't know. What do you think? I understand that point as well. And I wanted to add 
that the article mentions that this is very much like a white middle class consumer kind of analogy or analysis because there are people in this country such as black or African-Americans, I should specify, that have never had privacy also, you know, and so not only capitalism, but um, just how our government has treated specific people. And I think if this article was written a couple of years later, they would probably write in, you know, immigrants from Mexico. There is no concept of privacy. So we have to we have to really be careful on, on how we're talking about privacy and who actually has privacy to even buy mm-hmm. or to even exercise because right. some people are under constant surveillance. Totally. And that also but that also brings up a good point of who has the ability to exercise publicness and the joy of public sharing, too, because if you're thinking about somebody who's undocumented, for example, and although we see amazing examples of resistance to this and people who are out and undocumented and all of those things for some folks who who choose who can't, you know, and for for incredibly understandable reasons, you know, who can't have the kind of public life that that we have access to on the internet that does bring us joy in in these particular ways. So yeah, that's a super important point as well. So let me throw out another facet of this argument. And I would love to hear your response. And it goes back to the notions of privacy and um, using social media to break down that private public um, divide and like trying to create more of a, a communal space. So what Dr. Henry would say is that it is a false sense of community that we foster online because the community that he sees on social media is really rooted in like us presenting our identities and values and desires as individual people and not as a community. So I think his argument would be the way that we use social media via selfie culture or other kind of performative uses. It doesn't actually, it's a false sense of community for me to post a selfie and you to like it and me talk about how cute the baby is and yada, yada, yada. He'd say like, that's not actually community. Yeah, I think that's bullshit. Um, I I picked out that part, too, when I was reading it and was thinking how Henry Drew probably doesn't belong to some really amazing, like, hashtag <laughs> groups on, on the gram. I think that actually selfies and hashtag culture, if you will, I guess, or, like, hexa- or hashtag technology, like, the ability to, like, click something and be sent to you know, all the other people who who also hashtag that same thing. That happens so much on selfies. Like if you hashtag body positive or if you hashtag fat femme or hashtag feminist witch or like whatever you do, you're going to be sent to and or be a thing that people are sent to other people who identify as that. And this is just going to get straight up into like fucking boring age old debates, debates about identity politics. And I have always been a leftist who very firmly believes in the importance of cultural identity uh, as a as a necessary facet of like revolutionary leftist organizing because of how fucking important it is to survive this world with that sense of self that I think is like deeply enriched by by social media. Like I talked about this last month about about um which stuff like yes it was my like IRL friends who like helped me like feel confident in identifying in this thing that I like 
knew that I was and wanted to be, but like didn't know if I felt confident enough. And it's a hundred percent social media that was like, you can be this thing. And I was like, oh, I can be this thing. And they talk, we talk about this a lot in, in queer culture as well. And that was the same for me as a queer person. Like I didn't know what butch and femme was until college. And therefore I didn't know that I was femme and like how much more terrible would my life be if I, if I didn't know what that was. And, and so I totally think that that argument from Giroux is like some, some garbage. What do you think? Thank you for that. Well, articulated opinion. What do I think? I think, I think that he makes a good point about selfies as a theoretical item via social media, right? Like, so his just looking at the selfie itself as like a, as a theory, I guess, if you can say, like, I get what he's saying, but I agree that his argument falls apart um, when he just refers to it as like there was another part that really got me. Like he doesn't like that we make every part of our lives public. That it's he refers to it as we do what is called nonstop production of sharing our images, in which the self becomes the only source of agency worth validating, and so we become very obsessed with ourself. But I think the ways in which we use social media, I, and maybe it's because we're a little bit older, you know, mm-hmm. he obviously didn't do focus groups or whatever, right? Um, and maybe with younger people, this does become more of a self-obsession slash judgy kind of space. But I don't think that it is about the self so much on social media as it is about connecting to others in a new way and in, in ways that you just articulated very well. And so I think with some of these theoretical pieces about social media and the self and surveillance, that they they exist in this box. And then if you say, but except now we use hashtags, the argument can fall apart really quickly, you know. Mm-hmm. But I still think like the thought process of seeing selfies as a way to normalize surveillance culture is legit. Like I get that. And I think it's a cool way and critical way to think about our social media usage. Am I going to stop taking selfies? No, but <laughs> it's a cool, like it's a cool critical way to like look at what I'm doing online. Yeah. And also this is also to go back to like 101 cultural studies arguments, like that also denies us so much goddamn agency. Like some of my favorite selfie takers are like leftists who are going to like fucking fight the NSA like in the revolution, like I promise you. And so it's like, okay, yeah, well, what about all of us taking selfies who aren't like dupes to the system? Like it's it's that age old like Right, right. um you know, and uh, and again, I know a lot of a lot of debates in feminism and cultural studies comes down to agency and there's only so much agency we can all possess when we live under these really oppressive and ingrained and internalized systems and also like i believe in critical thinking skills and also and also like our ability to i don't even know about our ability but like I believe in the the importance of finding outlets of pleasure even when they are imperfect and even when they can be understood as conditioning or disciplining tools. I believe in using those things anyway and finding ways to resist outside of it 
also. Well said. Can I throw another thing in here with with what you're saying? Because um, I think you understand this more than I do. He brings up neoliberalism a lot and how neoliberalism is at its root about the individual and about how we're all very individualistic. And so therefore, it's very hard to create a collectivist culture when we're in an individualistic system. Mm-hmm. Um, but he keeps saying that um, the influence of neoliberalism is creating a public sphere in which we're supposed to be more public about ourselves and less private, but only be doing it like, I guess only be doing it individualistically. I guess what I'm tripped up on is like the use of neoliberalism in this critique. Um, I feel sometimes like people use neoliberalism (laughs) to like just explain something when it doesn't actually (laughs) connect or Uh like they're like, um, they just like change the understanding of neoliberalism. It's like, this is neoliberal. I'm like, but how? Right. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think neoliberalism is an overused word and a buzzy word. And it's also like used really ironically, I think without authors now like realization, because what, okay, so neo- neoliberalism is about economics fundamentally and also a sort of sociocultural shift to private enterprise and privatization as a as a way to solve social problems. So it's really just a hyper it's an extension of capitalism that gets to be dressed up as liberal policies basically. So it's it's not about an individual taking a selfie and what's interesting is that I think when academics and media scholars in particular utilize neoliberalism as a lens to project onto individual behavior they're trying to critique individualism but they're also like suggesting that individuals have some kind of power that i don't think is fair to say they have and i'm not trying to i mean obviously i believe that people have power but i mean why henry Giroux? do you think that if you if you're anti-neoliberalism and this reliance on a system that suggests that individual solutions are are the fix to social problems, then why do you think that suggesting that the perpetuation of those problems is coming from individuals rather than s- social structures? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And why I think that's kind of like fucked up analysis because it's like the problem is neoliberalism. And so I'm going to say like that the thing that is perpetuating the problem is individuals, which is what I don't like about neoliberalism. And so it's like for the, the too long didn't read version of that and simpler version of that is like <laughs> is like individual choices. This goes back to our this is truly our lifestyle politics episode. Individual choices don't make or break social structures. And to suggest that me taking a selfie or not taking a selfie matters to surveillance culture is neoliberal in and of itself. Does that make sense? Totally. But I still like his argument. That's fair. But you you don't have to like his <laughs> argument. But you know what? You know when we're both going to just hang up on him? You want me to read you this this sentence in which um, I'm going to bring Kim Kardashian back. We're just going <laughs> to hang up on him. Sure. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Um, so there's blah, 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 blah. And then he says... 
This new celebrity-fed stupidity is exemplified by the widely marketed fanfare over reality TV star Kim Kardashian's appropriately named book, Selfish, the unique selling feature of which is of which is that it contains 2,000 selfies. So he just called celebrity culture stupid, stupid. which yeah. fair, like, fine. But you know what I don't like about this tone, Mr. Henry, <laughs> is, like, the lack, especially as a cultural studies person, like, not taking this stuff seriously. Like, you're an academic. You can't just say it's stupid. Right. You know? Like, he no, was he- also critical. Yeah, but he gets away with it because he's fucking Henry Giroux and he just gets – he's fucking white dude who doesn't have to cite people and can say what he wants. And I actually like his shit about pedagogy and teaching. He's actually, like, pretty solid on education stuff. So I'm not trying to totally throw him under the bus. But, yeah, that's, that's, no, some, that's some garbage. me either. Me either. Um, but, like, he also is really on the side of the women who say that, like, producing selfies just creates lower self-esteem um, because you're comparing yourselves to other women and that, you know, I understand this research as well that shows that, like, people who are on social media a lot, like, have lower self-esteem because they're always comparing themselves to whatever presentation is on social media. But the way to fix that is to have media literacy classes exactly. that explain all that stuff, right? Exactly. It doesn't take long for the light bulbs to go off in people's heads. Totally. And you know that. Right. And we've talked about, like, social media cleanses in terms of like not following people who make you feel like that. And my, I can say right now, my Instagram is like full of people that make me feel fucking awesome. Like for them, for me, for the world, like it's mostly a very good place for me, but I, but I do, but I'm also not like the parent of an 11 year old who cries every day looking at their phone. Like, so I, I acknowledge that shit probably sucks for young people, but shit is kind of like sucked for young people for ever even before social media. Yeah. And also, like, I just don't know if I, again, love his stuff on surveillance. He should have stuck with the surveillance. The the minute he turned to, like, let me specifically talk to you about, like, women's stuff and, like, self-esteem as a woman. It's like, you don't know. You You have no idea. (laughs) Yeah. And even though this is, like, an academic, you know, sourced article, you still don't know. Yeah. You know? And you have to be really careful Mm -hmm. on how you talk about this stuff if you're talking about a culture that you you don't belong to like this is feeling at you know once he got beyond the theoretical it starts to feel very much like you're an outsider coming into a culture that you really don't know much about Mm -hmm. and maybe it's not your time to write an article about this if you're going to get into the nitty-gritty of social media culture and being a young girl yep totally without doing focus groups with young girls or god forbid and, you know, stuff like that, because I love I really love like political economy analyses about surveillance. Like mm-hmm. I'm totally down like Edward Snowden, you go girl mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But I just I'm not I don't love when academics try to critique things that they just obviously don't have a like a space in. Yeah. Yeah. And Even this, though that this, I mean, once upon a time, that was the only way you were allowed to I do know. research, which is such garbage. Because God forbid you have bias or what? what's the other word I'm thinking of that is like a dirty word in academia. I forget what I'm thinking of now. But God, yeah, God forbid you have like actual feelings about something or a stake in something because then you could, oh, obje- objectivity. <laughs> <laughs> or like, um, no, there's another word LOL. for it. It's like, I there's another word for it, but it's like 
uh, like capital T truth kind of thing yeah, too. Like totally. there is rationality yeah. or like there's other things that go along with that of like yeah Just and there's bullshit. no such thing by the way masculinist like what they mean by that is like that white men should study things about non-white men because if it was black women for example studying black women then they would you know they would have an agenda so it's just racist sexist ah! fucking bullshit is what it is yeah and you know what also that i liked that you said we were gonna hang up on him and then it made me think of the latest lizzo single have you listened to it obsessively do you know what i'm thinking of i totally do the song but say what so okay when you said we're gonna hang up on him it made me yes. think of the latest lizzo single because of With that the, line do you know the line in I'm the wedding about? dress yeah do you- no i haven't seen the video yet I know, I'm a horrible Lizzo fan. I know, I'm the original Lizzo fan and also the worst Lizzo fan. You are the original. Um, No, but there's a line in it, and she goes, and that's the sound of me not calling you back. And then it's just, like, silent, and then it goes into the chorus. Wow, men great till they gotta be great. Oh, my God, I love that song. So, Oh, my God, it's so good. It it brings me so much satisfaction. It's really good. Anyway, so Henry Giroux. I'll obviously listen to it. Why you great until you gotta be great? is the question why are you great until you got to be great what does that mean it means i got it took me like a, a it took me like two listens and then i got it so like okay. men are like you're like this this like sweetie you're crushing on or whatever is like is like so great until like push comes to shove ah. and you actually like he actually got has to like show up it. for you and like sacrifice or fucking do something or like be decent i got and it and then he's not well men great till they got to be great Oh, it's so good. Anyway, good talk on selfies. Should we should we talk about RWLs? Plicka, plicka, plicka. Sure. What are you reading, watching, and listening to this week? I'm reading Selfie Culture in the Age of Corporate and State Surveillance by Henry <laughs> Giroux. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> I am watching Five Broken Cameras, which is a documentary about Palestine because mm. my students wanted to know more about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict because Great. we have people from Palestine in our class. So we're going to watch that tomorrow. And then we're going to go to Holy Land, which is an amazing Middle Eastern restaurant. Awesome. So they'll know a little bit more about the culture. Um for those of the people that come from Palestine. I don't actually know where everybody comes from that works at Holy Land. And then I am listening to Do we ever are we allowed to say podcasts that we listen to? Of course. Cool. I'm listening to this podcast called Total Recall, and it's a podcast that I found out I'm taking this art class, and like it turns out that one of the people in the class is like a podcaster too, and she does improv comedy. It's mm-hmm. like Anne knows Hannah, who I interviewed. Cool. I know. I forgot to tell you all that. Small world. Anyways, so <laughs> she has a cool podcast uh, with some peeps, and they do it monthly, and they review. This is this is a hilarious premise. They review films from a long time ago without rewatching them. Oh, nice. So, like, <laughs> you and I would review Aladdin, but we would never rewatch it. We would just do it now. Like, From memory. That's that's cool. Yeah. And it's once a month, which I think is a really smart format because it, like, keeps you wanting more. But that format could get very, not old, but, like, it feels right to have it be only once a month. So I like that. Mm-hmm. I just like a lot of things about that podcast. That's what I'm listening to. Mm-hmm. Great. E tu? E tu? Um, I was reading. That a means l- and you in Spanish. Uh, C. I know. Okay, Claro, go ahead. 
Um, <laughs> I just uh, Claro just Casey. Interpret. <laughs> um, <laughs> I learned that in Guatemala. Claro Casey. Very good. Very yeah. good. I was reading a lot of things in preparation for the keynote speech. And yeah, one your of, book stack looked good. It was it was a good book stack. The thing unpictured in my book stack was um, my my thesis about info shops, and I Aww. revisited it, and it was baby Rachel, baby Rachel, and it was not so bad. I was like, okay, I was doing some things here, but it's like very precious to see like your early, and also like really just like humbling and lovely to think about how education works because you know you could see like how I didn't fully have, an, like, I didn't have a, I wasn't quite there on some thoughts, but I was, like, getting there, and it was really kind of sweet to, to see that, and I'm surely I will, you know, it's not like I'm, like, I've made it in my brain, but I know more now than I did then, obviously, so that was fun to reread some of that, um, and reading some other really cool things. Uh, folks, if you don't follow me on, on the gram already, you should. I'm Rebel Girl Rachel. And I had a nice book stack so you can see some more on there. Watching uh, after this the speech this weekend, we were at a hotel and we no longer have cable. So I put on some more Food Network because last week I reported about watching Halloween things. And this week they already started Christmas stuff and I was very excited. So watched some Christmas Food Network and listening to... Uh, I'll talk about podcasts too. I listened to a podcast called That's So Retrograde, and I have a little bit of a love-hate relationship to it. It's too new agey, woo-woo, hippy-dippy white ladies in California, and LA in particular, and they are like a little bit insufferable, but talk about all the shit I'm into like crystals and sound baths and just like all the shit. And so I just like eat it up, but then they're, then they say like kind of insufferable things. So, but I listen, that's a retrograde, listen to it or not. Cool. And uh follow up question real quick about your thesis. Did you look at it and you're like, Oh, that's, Oh, that's not so bad. Oh, that's a good section. Or was it a lot of like, little like cringy stuff? Uh, I mean, a mix. Yeah. Okay. Should we just reemphasize that we're going to be on a little bit of a break? You and me, we need a break. We need to separate. Uh, I'm like sad about it, but also excited because during the break, I'm going to be sending mail to people like postcards and stuff. Uh, thank you things to Patreon people. I will catch up on email we are going to be launching a couple other projects related to the podcast. So that's my accountability check-in on the break. And it's going to be the holidays soon, especially Thanksgiving, because I just love that holiday with the colonial <laughs> theme and everything. And it's the end of the, it's also going to be the end of the semester for me as well. So And for you, because you're teaching as well right now. Um and so it's always kind of a bitey time. So we're taking a break only to do more work behind the scenes it's on the true. podcast. It's true. And we're going to be back and better than ever, as I think every time we've taken a break, I think we've been able to deliver on coming back better and stronger. So I think we will continue to do that. I'm really excited about some ideas and plans we have in the works for um, December, January, and February, at least as, as far as I've been thinking in advance. So, yeah, we'll be back around after, after like, right December-ish, right? Correct. We won't be gone no. for too long. 
and also a general shout out to everybody for dealing with all my cats today. <laughs> I had to not be in my studio for technology reasons and sassy just really likes to butt in. So thank you for yeah listening to my cat yeah. as well as me. And uh, again, we ideally will have one bonus up, up in the break. So if you are not already donating on Patreon and just can't bear to have a, about a month without us, you can get a bonus up. Uh, and all of the backlogs bonus apps too, if you sign up now on our Patreon. What if I just like make bonus apps like at 10 o'clock at night and just post them? <laughs> I think you should like, do it. <laughs> sup, sup, people. I just need to really rant about this thing. And then all of a sudden there's like 10 bonus episodes and Rachel has no idea. I'd love, I'd love that. I Everybody would love that. Um, yeah. And we'd be grateful. But if you can't, we love you anyway. And we are so happy you listen. WTF. Power. Bitch, I mean, who would want to hide this? I will never, ever, 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 ever be your side chick. I put the singing single. Ain't worried about a ring on my finger. So you can tell your friend, shoot your shot when you see him. It's okay, he already in my DM. Like, I, I, I.